Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. So, yesterday we were in the spiritual world. Today we're going back to the spiritual world. And we had been discussing, yeah, we, had, we ended up discussing how to view devotees who don't view us the way we would like them to, who don't, or we view them as maybe being off-center, too liberal, too conservative, how to deal with that, how to avoid fanaticism, which would mean having a very narrow view of Krishna consciousness and discounting everyone and everything that doesn't agree with us. And I, one of the things I did was ask all of you to learn to be, how to learn to be able to understand the context of where other devotees are coming from. And then if you understand context, then you may realize that actually I do agree, or at least I do understand better what they're saying. And also to understand the nature of people. Some people by nature are just more conservative or more liberal, and they tend to, <clears throat> as a maybe in a sense, filter a little bit, things Prabhupada said, or notice more of the conservative or more of the liberal. That's interesting also. That's a, <clears throat> that's a whole other discussion. How, uh, According to my nature, I will, I will tend to notice or more of the things that I feel by my nature, the more conservative or the more liberal statements of Scripture and of Prabhupada. Or I will discount the statements that don't agree with the way I think or my understanding or the way I'd like to understand. So that's a <clears throat> that also happens. And like sometimes we joke when the, the man reads the Bhagavatam, everything it says about the woman, the wife, he notices and everything it says about the husband, he doesn't notice. And aside from that being funny, it's also true in many cases. So we tend to notice what makes sense to us, or we tend to notice what we want to notice, isn't it? And we tend not to notice what... Well, I know Prabhupada said that, but he also said this, and the this that he said is what resonates with me, so I tend to give that more importance or tend to notice it more, <clears throat> I tend to <clears throat> excuse me, minimize the other things. And depending on what side of the issue you're on, you may end up reading Prabhupada's books thinking, no, he doesn't really say this, he doesn't really say that, or he doesn't say it much, when in fact he does. And we just don't see it like that. That's interesting. Human beings are interesting. So we had some discussion like that. And the goal of that discussion was to help us better understand different points of view. I think that discussion came out perhaps on on how we may misunderstand philosophy. I think that was part of it, right? So, I have to... We're going to have your turn, and I just have to put my headphones on just to know... I don't know how loud my voice is and how loud the keyboard is. And, the, and you know because you can hear, but I don't know. So it's time for headphones.
Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Ram Hare Ram 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 Hare Hare Radha okay, Now I can hear Okay I'll leave my headphones on It's easy for me Radha, Radha, Radha Radha, Madhava Kunjabi, Hari Radha, Madhava Kunjabi, Hari Kupitana, Balava Kiribarat, Dhari Kupitana, Balava
Turn it back on in case we need sound effects. So, I think we can begin reading now. Hare Krishna. Govinda, Govinda, Govinda. Yes. Hmm. I have a light and it's pointing this way at a big white reflector and it's reflecting back. In the same way, you see all this light on my face? It's actually going that way and it's bouncing off a reflector. If I turn it around, it's gold, then I'll look golden. Anyway, if you associate with a pure devotee, you'll reflect the light the light will come back to you. The moon, Prabhupada said, is reflecting the light of the sun. So, And then when you get that light, then you, you will give it to others and others will reflect your light and then they'll get that light and they'll reflect and then the whole world will become Krishna conscious. Hmm. And the next thing we're reading about is the moon, how appropriate. So this is a conversation no excuse me this is a letter written July 26 1970 regarding your question why does the moon appear in pictures of Krishna yet the abode of Krishna is described as having no need of sunlight or moonlight good question Good question, right? You ever see pictures of Krishna and there's a moon? And then you're thinking, in the Gita, Krishna says, there's no need of moonlight or sunlight. And Prabhupada answers. The answer is... These pictures show Krishna as he appeared in Vrindavan 5,000 years ago. It may be understood, therefore, that it is the moon of this world which is seen along with Krishna in these pictures. Okay. There's your answer. And if Krishna wants a moon to appear in the spiritual world, that's okay also. He can do that if he likes. Right? You agree? If he wants to, he can do that. Does he have your permission? Is it okay with you? Okay. Now, it's time to talk about your favorite topic, Krishna and his girlfriends. Or maybe not your favorite topic, 
Krishna has so many girlfriends, why can't I have so many girlfriends? Why is he the only one that can do it? I was just listening this morning to Prabhupada said that if you're not qualified, you shouldn't even listen to Krishna's leelas with the gopis. He said, if you still have this conception, why, why Krishna, why not me? Okay, he can have his, but why not me also? If you still have that idea, hmm, you're not ready yet. And, and Prabhupada said, well, how do you know you're making spiritual advancement? He said, well, your lust is decreasing. And he was describing what it means to be brahmachari. And he said, in the strict sense, illicit sex is just looking at a, a woman who's beautiful. Or if you're a woman, enjoying a man's beauty, his big muscles, or whatever you enjoy. Okay, I'm going to button the top, and this means we're going to be serious. When it's open, I tell too many jokes. And when it's buttoned, it means I'm serious. I can't even get it buttoned. I guess I'm not supposed to be serious today. <clears throat> okay, there. Now, can you tell? This is going to be a serious class. So, Prabhupada was saying that there are different kinds of illicit sex, not just the act of it, but in the mind, thinking and so forth. So, he said, if you're thinking like that, then you shouldn't hear about Krishna and his girlfriends. You won't, you'll misunderstand, or it could incite lust won't purify you. And then he said, well, how do you know you're making spiritual advancement? He said, well, lust is decreasing. And then he said something which is, I always found very funny, uh, maybe on, on the border of sarcasm. And, and Prabhupada said, how do you know you're making spiritual advancement? You don't need a certificate. He said, by this you understand, by the decrease of your lust, that you understand you're making spiritual advancement. No certificate is required. He said, just like when you're eating, you don't need a certificate to ensure or validate that you're full. You know when you're full. So you know when you're detached. And that's, that's your certification that you're advanced. So when you're sufficiently detached from lust, then you're then you're capable of hearing about Krishna's pastimes. And of course, you'll say, but we're supposed to hear those pastimes to become free from lust, and that's true. But there has to be some preliminary degree of understanding. And if we're still thinking, why can Krishna enjoy with the gopis and why not me? You know, why can't I imitate him? That's the very reason we're here is to imitate him. And so detachment from lust is... is it means that we've purified that desire to imitate him. And then we're, we're qualified now to enter his lila. Okay, so the next one, Kamaniya, the next one we'll read, Krishna and his girlfriends. And this is a morning walk. May 4th, 1973 in Los Angeles. Maybe I was on that walk. Let's see if I remember. Prabhupada. I think I was in San Diego, which was a two-hour drive from Los Angeles. I think I was living there in 1973. Prabhupada, but when in 1973? I may still have been in L.A. Prabhupada, just like Krishna, 
Krishna had so many girlfriends. There are so many nice descriptions of embracing, kissing. But there is no pregnancy or abortion. Can you hear the birds in the background? They're providing background music. Can you hear them? There's no pregnancy or abortion. There's no description of such things. I think you have the wrong one. No, this is a... This is entitled, Krishna and His Girlfriends, Morning Walk, May 4th, page 32. I think, actually, we may have read this before. There's no description of such things, and that is spiritual world. The attraction for young boy, young girl, is there also. They're also enjoying their company. Everything is there. But there is no such thing as pregnancy and abortion. Here are people do not want that pregnancy and abortion, but they are forced to do it because there are so many inebriates here. That thing is minus in the spiritual world. There, it, uh, you can hear them. I can make you, I have, I have a device on my mixer. I can really make you hear them. Now you can hear them more. Now they stop singing. Okay. So, it sounds like we read this before, but we're, we'll read it again. There's no such thing as pregnancy and abortion here. People do not want that, pregnancy and abortion. But they are forced to do it because there are so many inebriates here. That thing is minus in the spiritual world. They are also attracted by the bodily features of the woman. There is attraction, but they are more attracted by chanting Hare Krishna mantra. Therefore, this bodily attraction of woman does not affect them. Just like if you have got better attraction, you don't care for lower attraction. The attractions are there. The body of woman is very beautiful. But men are not so much attracted with the body of the woman. They are more attracted to the Hare Krishna mantra. These are described in the Bhagavatam. Here also practically we see those who are attracted by the Hare Krishna mantra, they are not very much attracted with the bodily features of the woman, is it not? So, so <clears throat> as we were saying, Prabhupada would often say, how do you know you're making spiritual advancement? And he would say, because you're feeling freedom from attraction to things of this world. And so, generally speaking, we wouldn't be detached from everything in this world except sexual desire. But it usually works the other way around. If, if there's detachment from sexual desire, it, it pretty much means that's the, uh, doesn't mean that's the center, and so it, it means then there will be detachment from everything else, everything connected or any strong material attachment. So that's why Prabhupada said, how do you know you're advancing? Well, look at your detachment from sexual desire or attraction subtly or grossly to the opposite sex. So 
That's the price we have to pay to understand Krishna Lila. But once we understand it, that's the highest thing and the highest bliss. Okay, so you had some questions or comments. Let me go back. The birds sound lovely. I have my door open, so whatever is outside, you can hear. Can you hear the wind blowing, the cars driving by? Yeah, okay. So we have a question. <clears throat> what inebriates means? Oh, let's read what Prabhupada says. Inebriates, <clears throat> he's in this context. He means impurities, contaminations. So he's saying there, there's no lust, therefore no pregnancy and abortion. Therefore, here. There is lust, and there is pregnancy and abortion. Because there is lust, there are so many problems, impurities. You could, you could just maybe just replace inebriates here with problems. But there, uh, but there, there is no such thing as pregnancy and abortion. Here, people do not want pregnancy and abortion, but they are forced to do it because there are so many inebriates. It's just the nature of this world. You want to enjoy and the result of enjoyment is you'll get pregnant or you'll have to have an abortion. There, that's not the issue. And we've, we've often heard many, many, many times that the highest thing of the material world is the lowest thing in the spiritual world. The lowest thing in the material world becomes the highest thing in the spiritual world. The lowest thing is someone dancing with another person's wife. And that's the highest thing in the spiritual world. And the highest thing of the, in the material world, which is the sexual attraction, is as Prabhupada saying, is like he's saying, you can appreciate the beauty, but there's no lust. Say, so women are very beautiful in the material world, in the spiritual world. And he's saying, yes, the men can see that the women are beautiful, but there's no lust. Because Krishna is more beautiful. Krishna Krishna has a question. Prabhupada said that a sign of making advancement is decreasing lust. Okay. But sex desire is in need of the body. So it seems that this desire will be with us till we have... Because you could say the same thing about eating and sleeping. Okay, but sex desire is a need of the body, so it seems that this desire will be with us till we have a material body. So if there is a body, there is sex desire, and there is lust. How do we understand that lust is decreasing? I heard statements of Prabhupada's disciples that still they feel lust, but they try to manage the lust. It seems we cannot completely be free from lust. Well... Let's look at the examples of more elevated devotees. We'll start with the Goswamis. Nidhahara viharaka. They conquered eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So they had bodies, 
somehow they were able to transcend because of their absorption in Krishna consciousness. So even though there is this physical desire, but the physical desire is also connected with the mind. So the mind's desire will invoke more of the physical desire. So they had lost, because of their absorption in Krishna, they had lost the desire for eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So, so we'll take your question and we'll, we'll start with uh, something we can all agree with. In the mind, because Krishna Karshan is saying, in the body, there is desire to eat, there's the desire to sleep, there's the desire to mate. But in the mind of a pure devotee, no, that, that desire has become purified. And that desire in the mind obviously has tremendous amount of effect on the body. And so we see in the Goswamis, we see in Takaharidas, we see with Prabhupada, he, he, they hardly slept. So even though the body needs to sleep so much, somehow or other they conquered over sleeping. And it's true that one has to control desire, one has to control lust. But at the same time, we understand that when one is more advanced in Krishna consciousness, he's free from that desire. And so even though that desire is connected with the body, it's also connected with the mind. And so when that desire in the mind is purified, it also reduces the desire of the body or even reduces it to nothing. Or if we want to say, but it's still a body and he has it, that desire will be much less than it was before, as we all experience after being devotees. And it will not disturb that person who is absorbed in Krishna consciousness. Now, let's give an example of something that many, many of the devotees saw, especially the devotees who were living with Prabhupada. And it's something that none of us have really been able to ever emulate or, or perhaps even fully understand other than saying that Prabhupada is transcendental. Prabhupada did not give in to jet lag. Wherever, wherever he was, he just resumed his schedule. So, let's say he arrived somewhere at 10 o'clock and then they would go back and then he would just whatever his schedule normal schedule was starting let's say from 11 or 11.30 he would just do that and it, it, it could have been midnight for him in the place he just left and he may not have slept at all or slept very little on the airplane and then he gets there and you know, devotees are looking at Prabhupada and say, you know, he slept like a half hour on the airplane and now he's going through his day as if he's on back on his schedule. And his young disciples could obviously couldn't do that. They needed to rest. And he, he was asking them, why you can't, why are you sleeping? He said, well, jet lag. And they'd say, he'd say, what is this jet lag? I'm, I'm working all day. So from that example, it it appears that Prabhupada had transcended the demand or the need of the body for sleeping. Uh, sometimes devotees fast, and they, by the, you know, like well, well, maybe the best example, maybe the best example is Prikshit Maharaj, because Prikshit Maharaj did not sleep for seven days, he didn't eat or drink, and he wasn't thirsty, and he wasn't hungry. 
So how could you not be thirsty and hungry if you haven't eaten or, or drink, drank, drunken, drank? You haven't had anything to eat or drink. And how could you not be tired if you haven't slept? He was tra he transcended. So from this we can see that the body transcends along with the mind. But taking your question just as is to to give in case you say, but still, for us as conditioned souls, we have a body, then we would say, not affected by it. The desire is there, it's definitely less, as we all experience being devotees, and we're less affected by it. So yes, you know, we can't say Prabhupada didn't have a body, we can't say he didn't need to eat, he didn't need to sleep. At the same time, we can say that as you get older, the lust will be more in your mind than your body. Because as you get older, the lust hormonally decreases in your body. So the only place it can remain as strong as it was when you were young is in your mind. If, if you're becoming Krishna conscious, then as you get older, that desire, at least the desire, the desire also for eating reduces. I probably eat half of what I... I weigh 10 pounds more than I did when I was 25, and I, I would say I eat, I eat half of what I ate then, pretty much. At least 40, I would say, maximum, I'll be generous, 40%, I eat 40% less than I ate when I was young. So definitely as you get older, those the physical desires also go. But due to your advancement in Krishna consciousness, even advancement from a past life, those desires may be minimized. So if you're, if you're taking birth now and you're very advanced in your last life and very renounced, you'll get a body that doesn't have such strong needs for eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. That's also there. So I think there's three things we can say. The mind... The trans transcendental state of the mind means not affected, very little, not affected much by the body, or maybe not affected at all. The As you get older, the needs of the body will reduce, and as long as you don't try to agitate those needs. And as you become Krishna conscious, you become more transcendental, so it'll, even if, 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 you, if, if you want to say for the sake of argument, the desires are still there very strongly, you'll have more power to control them. But that argument is false because as you become Krishna conscious, the desires will minimize. And there's, there's definitely a correlation between the mind and physical desire. When you see food, sometimes it makes you salivate. Doesn't it? You ever see something? It might, that's mouth-watering. It's actual physical reaction. So the same way, physical reaction when someone sees the opposite sex and they're attracted to it. There's a hormonal reaction, which, which if someone is more advanced, it wouldn't be there. So there wouldn't... The, you know, sexual desire needs some stimulus to arouse itself. It's, okay, you can say you eat too much food, you eat the wrong food, you eat f foods which are agitating, passionate foods, that's there. But in most cases, there's some stimulus that's required from the opposite sex. So if one's more detached, that stimulus won't be there. And then on the physical level, it'll be reduced. 
So that's my long answer to your question. And we have some more comments. Can all men become like this on, here on earth? Make life easier? Yeah. It takes a while, though. Generally, you're not going to become like that when they're young. Although, if they're advanced from their last life, yes, but the interesting thing is that, you know, the men that are most pure, which would be the ones that women want to marry, many of those men don't want to get married. Or they're so detached that if they do get married, they don't make good husbands. You know, every, every woman's attracted to a detached man. Or detachment is an opulence, but it also doesn't work well when you're married. Because if you're too, the man's too detached, then it doesn't work. Okay. Science, scientists would explain lowering of the sexual desire by the hormone levels. Yeah, lowering either during sickness or age. I'm not arguing with Prabhupada's explanation, just putting across ideas. Yeah, well, that was my point as you get older. But I was listening to um, a lecture this morning, and Prabhupada was talking about this, and you may have heard Prabhupada say this. As many, many, many times Prabhupada said, I have seen in Paris, there are many nightclubs, naked bars or whatever, and he said, I've seen men, 75, this is exactly what Prabhupada said, 75, 80 years old, going and paying $50 to get in. If that's true, $50 in 1970, that's quite like $200 now or something or more. And paying more for other, Prabhupada said, seeing them paying $50 to get in and paying more for other things. So, so Prabhupada's point is that I think this is such a good example. Lust. It could be lust or, or it could be any desire. And so we have to ask our, ourselves the question, when are, are, go, are we going to control it? When are we going to stop giving into it? Because this example Prabhupada's giving, and he's given this example in, uh, at other times in other ways, is that the desire won't go away. And physically, those old men don't have, at that age, don't have a strong sexual desire, but the strong sexual desire is in their mind. They want to enjoy something, maybe in their minds, imagining what they can enjoy physically. So I was, I was listening to this this morning, and it was thinking, I had a thought, which I often have when I hear such things. It, 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 it's just, it's just the, re, the, the reality that even on the physical level, I could lose a desire. I may not lose it on the subtle level. I may still want it. I may still think about it. Oh, I love to eat this, but I can't eat it anymore. I can't digest it or I'm allergic to it. But I still think about eating it. And so it's like I eat it in my mind. And so when I was listening to this, I was thinking that we all have to ask ourselves this question. I have this desire and I say, it, I can't give it up, or it's difficult to give up. But 20 years from now, it's also going to be difficult to give up. And 40 years from now, it's also going to be difficult to give up, especially if you've cultivated it. And you might say, well, if I cultivate it, I'll get over it. I'll, I'll work through it. I'll get satiated. And in some cases, that's true. And you may get satiated physically, but... In some cases, you may not get satiated mentally. 
it, it's what Krishna describes in the mode of passion. You always want more. And so we all know this from experience, the, the, the wanting more. I don't have enough. I can always have more or I can always have better. I have this, but I could buy a better one. So this question we ask ourselves, if there's something I'm attached to that's unhealthy for my Krishna consciousness, when am I going to give it up? In realization that it's not necessarily going to be easier to give up when I'm 70 than it is when I'm 25. So I think that's important. That's an important question because if we don't answer that question, when am I going to give it up or how am I going to give it up or what process am I working on to give it up, we may never give it up. And, and the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, it's the sad story of the conditioned soul who dies attached. And, and the fifth canto is, it's, it kind of, it's kind of we, we had discussed this, I think maybe a couple of months ago, but the fifth canto is kind of, kind of presents you the culmination of material life. That here the man is dying, he has no Krishna consciousness, no, no spiritual realization, and he's just thinking about how things will go on in his absence, how his wife and children will go on, his business and so forth, and he dies thinking of that, and then he comes back again in this world. So his life was a failure, as opposed to going back to, to Godhead. So that's the whole point. When are you going to give up the lust? Are we going to die with the lust in our heart? Are we going to make the excuse, well, the lust is in my body? And I would say, when the lust is out of your mind, it's greatly reduced in your body. When the lust is in your mind, it's greatly increased in the body. So this is the question you have to ask yourself. If you have... If there's some, something that's getting in the way of your Krishna consciousness and it's very difficult to give up, then we should ask ourselves the question, when am I going to give this up? Because if we don't ask that question, we may never give it up. Oh, we'll give it up tomorrow. No, make it, we have to make a plan. We have to realize, if I don't start working to give this up, it's, it's not. don't just assume it's going to go away. Okay, it might go away from your body, but not go away from your mind. Okay, so Krishna Karshani says, there are devotees, I mean men and women, in our movement, who thought they were free from sex desire and due course of time they realized they are not. And after many years, ending up still... Excuse me. Still lust. Is it mean they did not make any advancement or they just did not fulfill the basic needs? It could, it could mean either one. But if we take it to be the first one, they did not make any advancement. Well, as, as we were saying earlier, Prabhupada's saying, well, how do you know you're making advancement? Well, by your detachment from lust. That's, that's the basic way, because look at Takaharidas. He's, he's being tempted by Maya. He's being tempted by a beautiful prostitute, and he's, he's not interested at all. Zero. Nothing. If you had a you know, had a meter and you ran it across his body, the lust meter. It wouldn't even go up a, a fraction of a fraction of a millimeter. There'd be nothing there. He was a young man when it happened. Did you know that? He was young. So, yes, it's true. That is the symptom of advancement. So, your first point was, um, was it, were they not making advancement? 
They could be making advancement, but I think we have to understand that sometimes we're advancing in certain ways, but there's there's a problem. There may be a big problem in our heart and we're not dealing with it, and that big problem becomes like a cancer, and although we have otherwise healthy body, the cancer kills us. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever known a person who died of cancer? That was very, very healthy. You know, they were running every day so many miles and so forth. And then you hear they had cancer, and it just ravishes their body, destroys their body. So something like that, you know. They may be hearing, chanting, doing really well, but that desire is very strong. I know, I actually know devotees like this. They're really good devotees. If you hear them give class, you would appreciate, you'd be inspired. And then if you found out that they were battling lust, it wouldn't make sense to you. But it's just, for some people, they allow their weakness to overtake them. So they may be good devotees and so forth, but that lust was not, uh, they didn't cure the lust. And then, second part of your question, you would say, well, wouldn't it have been better if they cured their lust, if they indulged in it in a regulated way? Yeah, so... Now, that's why we have the Grihasta Ashram. And, and that's true. And so each individual has to, has to understand the best way to purify themselves of lust. And so some will do it through the Brahmacharya Ashram. Some will do it through the Sannyas Ashram. Some will do it through the Grihasta Ashram. And then eventually Vanaprasta Ashram. So that, you know, you really, you know it, it sounds funny to say this, but the whole Varnashram ultimately is, is really just to help you control your sexual desire. You know, Brahmachari, no sex. And then Grihasta, sex regulated so you can become free from it. And then Vanapras, give it up. And Sinyas, and Vanapras, detach from it, Sinyas, completely given up. So, you know, you can't, we can't avoid that reality. It's, it's not always expressed that way, but that is one way to express it. If you look at you know the ashrams, what are the ashrams for? Ultimately, to deal with sexual desire. It's a real desire. We have to deal with it as best we can. So, what I what I'm saying to you now, my collar is buttoned, so I'm serious here. See, I haven't told any jokes with it. I'll have to unbutton it soon. But what I'm saying to you is, if you have some problem, and otherwise your Krishna consciousness is good and you just have one or two big problems, don't just assume they're going to go away and don't just assume they won't get worse. But you don't want to end up like these 80-year-old men in the naked bar. They can't enjoy it physically, but they can enjoy it mentally. So, you, you know, you might think, oh, okay, when I get older, the sex desire will go away, the desire to eat will reduce. But if it's still in your mind, then... It's basically the same thing. It will get agitated in some way. And Prabhupada's saying, strictly speaking, illicit sex is just to enjoy seeing the opposite sex, to enjoy their beauty. So we're trying to become completely free from all of this. And it's, it's a gradual process, but we should know, you know what the standard is. Regarding the sex attraction, even after many years, they need to avoid agitating conditions because the yeah propensity still remains yeah yeah so that that 
that is um Vijay Lakshmi, that is a, a basic principle of Krishna consciousness that you don't want to be associated with the modes of passion and ignorance or as little as possible. You know, for work it's one thing, but to voluntarily voluntarily look at things that would agitate you or be in situations that would agitate you or, you know, watch movies that have sexual scenes. That's it's all and even if you think it doesn't disturb you, it does. It gets in there. It has to, because that's why we're here. To enjoy that. That's why we're in this world. So anything that stimulates that it's not good. And we, we had given a class, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but we gave a class to women about what men are like. And one and I was explaining to women that men are stimulated, very stimulated by sight. They don't even have to touch the woman. They can become completely stimulated by seeing the woman. And I was explaining to them that there is feminine beauty and there's feminine sexual beauty. And the feminine beauty of a woman actually subdues a man's sexual desire because he sees she may be very beautiful, but there's so much chastity around that beauty and so much purity. It actually, by seeing her, even though she's beautiful, she's dressed well, she's, her body is covered, there's no vi sexual vibration coming from her. He actually becomes, his sexual desire becomes subdued by that. And if, she, if her sexual desire is strong, if she dresses in a way that is disturbing to the men. She may not even know that, but the, more, the tighter the clothes and the more skin you show, the more men will become disturbed. So there's the sexual beauty, the beauty that incites sexual desire. So women, now you know that, if you didn't know that, should not behave or dress in a way that would, uh, neither should men, that would excite the sexual desires of men. And so that's, so that's part of creating this sacred environment in our temples. And sometimes uh, women who are not dressed properly will be asked or told, you know, when you come to the temple, please dress like this. And they'll, they'll say, why? You know, well, these men are supposed to be pure. And we'll say, no, but the way you dress is agitating. And they won't understand. So I was just trying to explain to the women that it's just the way men are wired. So even though men shouldn't be agitated, Sometimes they are. It's just like, you know you shouldn't eat something, but you like it, so you eat it. So a man may know, you know, I shouldn't be disturbed, but the way this woman is dressing or behaving or acting or the way she wears her hair or this and that, it's, it's agitating. So women, you want to come across with beauty, not sexual beauty, because it's true. Uh, men can be easily disturbed. Some men more than others, and men who are more advanced, will not be very disturbed, if, if even disturbed at all. But in, in terms of, of being Krishna conscious, we, we need to be a little cautious about the environments we're in, because environment will affect us for sure. Onions increase sex desire, add garlic to that list, meat, protein... Um, also, tamarind. Heard a yoga teacher say once, you can be physically fit, but still unhealthy. Yes. Unhealthy mind. Talking about my personal, this is Jyotirmani, talking about my personal experience, of course, I am almost 
at middle age, it is true, the more you chant, the less you feel lust. But how do we handle other people that look at you Okay. How do we handle other people that look at you as if you are an an alien, even in the movement? How can you explain that at the end of the day, this is real liberty? It annoys me also if I see a woman used in a car advertisement. I become more of a feminist now than before because someone see exploiting where I couldn't realize before. Well, I'm, I think I think you're saying um, even in the movement, sometimes women are looked at as sexual objects to one degree or another. Is that what you're saying? And that may be true in some cases. True because to people joining our movement, are coming from that culture, that society, right? That's the problem. You know, a lot of times we get discouraged because we see devotees acting improperly and we're thinking, they're devotees, they shouldn't act that way. It's really discouraging or, or frustrating or just sometimes very disturbing. And it's true, devotees shouldn't be acting that way, but we have to understand we're devotees in process, you know, work in progress, devotees in progress. Sadhu, we're going to make a t-shirt, sadhu in progress. Construction in progress, you know. <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience. Maybe we should add that to the t-shirt. <laughs> sadhu in progress, inconvenience, inconvenience. What are, they, what are those signs? Work in progress, inconvenience, regretted. Sadhu in progress, inconvenience regretted. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, we've come from the material world, so when a man is looking at you and he's a devotee and you feel like he's not seeing mother, he's seeing something else. That's because he has a lot of practice seeing something else. Yeah, you know, from the time he's about 11. And so let's say he joins when he's 30. He's had 21, he's, he's had... Uh, 19 years of practice. So it's a habit. It doesn't go away easily. So in this class I gave to women, I just said, try to understand this, this about, women, about men. It's not intentional. It's, it's programmed. And if they, it doesn't mean they're not responsible for behaving improperly, but just try to understand it's very deeply conditioned in them too. Men, men, are very attracted to women physically. That's why there's so much demand on women to look beautiful. The men demand it, because this is how the men are stimulated. Now, this sounds funny, but I have I know men who I was trying to help get married, find a wife, and I thought I found the perfect wife. And this man was very Krishna conscious, very good devotee, book distributor, teacher, and he said, mm, I'm not attracted to her physically. I don't want to marry her. And I was like, I couldn't, I said, I like, did I hear that correctly? Is that what you said? He says, yeah, I need, you know, physical attraction. I'm like, whatever. Okay. He needs it. What can you say? It's just the way it is. That's how men are. 
for better or for worse. Right. And I hope he stays with his wife when she's older and she's not as beautiful as she is now. Uh, yeah, I attended your class, Understanding Men. And after my class on understanding men, the conclusion was, we still don't understand men. No, I said, no, it's easy. Give them sex and food. You've understood them. That's it. That's all they need. I, uh, Krishna Karshani says, um, I, know two, I know two male devotees. They're almost similar age. One is married over 20 years and he fulfilled his sex desire and now is focused on Krishna. The other one never got married and now he's a madman. It says Seymour and I, I know what's coming and I can't get my left finger to hit the Seymour properly. Okay. And he is very... So the one who never fulfilled his sex desire didn't get me. He's very disturbed. So it seems... Better to fulfill sex desire to become free from them. Yeah, if you can't, well, of course, the first thing is try to become free without fulfilling. And if that's not possible, then get married. And we're not saying fulfill your sex desire. What does that mean? Get a girlfriend and have sex? No. It means get married and, and fulfill it under restriction. Because we have to understand that there, what Krishna Karshani is referring to is that there's two ways to over to detach. One is by spiritual strength, and then you overcome the need. The other one is if you've tried to overcome the need, but it's still very strong. You may be very spiritually advanced, but maybe that need is stronger than in another devotee. And so then you fulfill that need by engaging that need. But the point is you have to know how to engage it, because if you don't engage it properly, the, the desire will become stronger. So... There's restrict, you know, restricted sense enjoyment, restricted sex in marriage. If it's not restricted, if it's unrestricted, not necessarily will the desire be fulfilled. It could never be fulfilled. It could just increase. And then we see this in the world today with sexual desire. You know, why is pornography so popular? Well, well there's many reasons. But why would a married man look at pornography? Because he's not satisfied with his wife. So he can... Imagine affairs with other women in pictures or in videos. And then those become implanted in his mind. And I've read some of this sex literature, and it said that when a man is with his wife, he's thinking of these other images. So it just shows that the sexual desire will never end. And then I, you know, we started a sexual support group, so I was studying some things, and I came across, a, I think I may have told you, came across a, a show on child prostitution. And they were asking the person who did the movie, it's called Underground Railway. It's all about the whole child prostitution ring and how this organization is getting girls, just kidnapping the girls from these prostitution rings. And they said that the demand for child prostitutes, the biggest demand is from America. And it's illegal in America, so American men fly to countries where it's legal, or it's, it's, it may not be legal, but the government allows it. And so they're, you know, American men are, are one of the main supporters of this industry. And so the guy who made the movie was asked, 
Why? And he said, because if you take it to its logical conclusion, sex, sex in marriage, not enough. Prostitution, not enough. Pornography, not enough. Then it's a drug. It just goes up. Well, where do you go from there? Well, then you go into child pornography. Then where do you go from there? You go into child prostitution. So it's so we have to be careful when we're fulfilling desires because we want to fulfill them in a way that they go away, not that they get worse, and they could easily get agitated because that's the nature, the nature of addiction. And generally, in, in, if you're talking about pure addiction, then you just cut it off completely. But as Krishna Karshan is saying, these are physical needs that have a normal way that they can be engaged. But we just have to be careful, just like even with eating, you know, you have to be careful because you can very easily overeat and overeat a little bit every day for the next month. You get fatter, you get, your health goes down and so forth. So what you say is true, but the other side is also true. Okay, he gets married and then, then his lust is so strong he's not satisfied with his wife. And so it didn't work. It made it worse. So it's possible it could be worse. Unfortunately, the unfortunate reality. Vijayalakshmi says, unfortunately, even if you dress properly, the sex appeal still shows. Yeah, it, it's true, but it's just a question of degree. If, if you dress properly, at least you did your part of the, of the job. And if, if a man's still agitated, what can be done? But I would say a lot of men will only be agitated if there's some young, beautiful woman, you know, well-exposed. Or or not even necessarily well-exposed, but just putting out a vibe, a sexual vibe, and that can disturb men. There are guys who are so lusty that even we will look like Amish, Amish, still they will... Think about sex seeing us. It's true. We, we us as women, like to look beautiful, and we cannot avoid looking pretty. Yeah, looking pretty is okay. Just, but be careful. They just have to manage their lust. I believe most women doesn't want to look like an Amish woman. Maybe we should try it for a while, see if it helps... Maybe we should do an experiment. All female devotees have to dress like Amish women for a year and see. we'll make a, do a, a little statistical research and see what happens that year. <laughs> Krishna Karshan will say, yeah, more women will get raped because they can't see the woman's body and they want to see it. Yeah, who knows? Um, not, when you're dealing with these desires, sometimes uh, nothing works. It's true. Um, Prabhupada said, if a man is lusty, any body will do. A woman does not have to be attractive. Just like if you're very, very hungry, pretty much you'll eat anything. You just want to fulfill your hunger. So it's something like that. So, Jayashri or Toshan. We don't know who's saying this, but Probably Jayashree. So it is a sort of training to call, treat all females as Mataji. Maybe Toshan saying that. Yes. Except wife, daughter, of course. To not be attracted, yeah. So well, here's, here's a, 
a nice point. As we all know, Chandaka Pandit said, well, you should see every woman as mother except your wife and your daughter, okay. Um, so the idea is the, the, the purity of the son-mother relationship. So if I see every woman as mother, that it's very pure, there's no question that I want to enjoy anything from that woman. And I once heard someone say something that, that is extremely powerful. And he said, we all have ana analogies about life. And we all filter the way we see the world through the analogies. And I, when I was applying that, or for, my first thought was, yes, in Krishna consciousness, we have many analogies about the world. And this is one analogy, woman is mother. Uh, we have analogies of the nature of the world. The world is like men are like, women are like, this is like, that is like. These are all analogies. So they're filters through which we see the world. And so he was saying, you, you see the world and feel the world and react to the world through the filters of your analogies. So then I thought, yes, the analogy woman is mother. If that's your filter, then in when the man is in the presence of woman, or if the woman's analogy is man is son, if we see that, if we see the world through that analogy, we feel the world through that analogy. So what's happening? When lust hits, then the man is not seeing the woman as mother. He's seeing the woman as a possible partner, and specifically, if lust is strong, as a sexual partner. Because our society is so degraded now that in, in a more religious society, generally, if you saw a woman in relation to sex, you would have to pause the tape and rewind it and say, wait a minute, I need to be married before I do that. So then you would have to think possible wife, you know, but now we just think sex partner because that's possible. But if we see through the analogy mother, all women are mother, then the sexual desire in theory would be reduced if not completely destroyed. And, and, what I would ask you to do is look at all your analogies and you will see that your analogies is basically the way you experience life and especially emotionally, how you feel. So if we go from women as mother to women as object of sexual satisfaction, that's another analogy, which is the basic analogy for most men when they see women. Women exist for sexual satisfaction. That's unfortunately the conditioning of men. If we shift that to women are mother, mother is respected, mother is served, there's only pure vibration between mother and son, that would be a different world, that would be a better world. If, uh, if I see through Krishna conscious analogies the world, I see other people, then my life becomes Krishna conscious. So if you look at you look at your analogies, you'll see that your consciousness is your consciousness is molded by your analogies. And some of us have very bad analogies, and that's you know we, you know we don't a man may not think my analogy of a woman is sex, sex object, but it's not if it's not mother, then I would ask what is it? What do you see her as? I see her like this. And and therefore, anytime you're having trouble with something is to say, how are you seeing this? What, what is this? What is, 
what is, what does this remind you of? I see, you know, when I see pizza, I think happiness and festivity, you know, my analogy. So yeah, I eat tons of pizza. If I see pizza and I think heart attack, fat, cholesterol, cheese, you know, I think, oh, that's my analogy of pizza, then I don't eat it. So it's interesting. If you, after this class, can go through and think, well, how do I see things? What, I see them like this. What's the, what's the, when I see this, what's the reaction? When I see that, what's the reaction? Then you'll know what your filters are. And if you have a problem you're trying to overcome, it may be that you have to put on a different filter and then you'll be okay. Because, because no man would be battling with sexual problems if at the age of puberty, when he started looking at pornography, he was trained to see women as mother. I can't say no man, but generally it would be less. So, that is a very good point. You can be attracted to women as your mother. Christe says, it makes me feel uncomfortable as well, but you made me understand that we need to help them by not agitating them, dressing up properly so that we can actually be seen as mothers. And behaving, behaving in a way that doesn't indicate that you are, you, you feel yourself as, a, as, a, as their sexual toy, so to speak. Usually in the temple, I feel this kind of vibration from someone I tend to avoid contact or make it a shorter spot. Yeah, that's good. And um, formal relationships between men and women is also helpful. Sometimes it's difficult because we're, we may not be formal people, but sometimes the formality is necessary because if there's not formality, it often communicates that you're interested or you like them. And it may not be true. And then they're... they're kind of behaving with you in a way that's making you feel uneasy and you're wondering why. Because the way you acted communicated that to them, although that wasn't your intention. But you're just a friendly person. But a friendly, very open woman sends a message to a man, oh, she's interested in me, she likes me. Or it sends the same message to a woman if a man's like that. Mm. Joe Termai said, um, she, yeah, sent that video to half, okay. Well, today you can send it to the other half. Yeah. Uh, Vijay Lakshmi, I have noticed in India that the mother of the boy gives her approval if the girl has sex appeal to protect her son from illicit sex. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's another issue. If she's not beautiful, then his eyes are going to be on all the beautiful women. For a few years it's true, but after a while... If that boy is not controlled, it won't matter how beautiful she is. His eyes, if he's not careful, it doesn't matter how beautiful he is. Eventually, he'll get used to her, and there'll always be someone more beautiful. Isn't it? I mean, that's another principle. No matter how beautiful your husband or wife is, there'll always be something more beautiful. No matter how beautiful your home is, there'll always be a more beautiful home. No matter how good this is, there'll always be something better. So that's a reality we have to deal with. And if we don't deal with that well, well, we'll be in the material world forever getting, always looking for something better. Isn't, isn't the wish to look beautiful one form of materialistic desire? Well, we had discussed this 
before. And Prabhupada said something which um, I think really confused some women and it sounded like impossible also. And we were talking about how in traditional cultures, when you went out, you dressed down, and when you came home, you dressed up. In our culture, when you go home, you dress down. You can, you know, you can look like a witch at home. Just don't look like a witch when you go out. <clears throat> but in traditional cultures, it's better you look like a, a model at home and a witch when you go out. But of course, you know, if we look like a witch when we go out, then everyone will look at us like we're a witch and we'll come home very depressed. So as far as I'm not a woman, but I would, from what I've observed, because I live with two women, and I've been told this also, it, it, when women dress up, it's not necessarily they're dressing up. Um, it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like maybe you could say a self-esteem, you know, just to look, to look presentable in public. But the idea of dressing up at home, that idea was for your husband. You dress up for your husband, you know. The husband comes home and the wife's in curlers and she's wearing a t-shirt and, and, you know, he's like, no, he's supposed to be dressed up when he comes home. Then she goes out shopping and she gets dressed up. So that's funny. It's, you know, things are a lot different today than they used to be, so... I, I don't I don't always push for the ideal Vedic when I see that it doesn't fit in people's brains like I can't get it in their brain because there's no spot in there like dress up when you come home dress down when you go out and most women there's like no place in their brain for that idea so I'm just saying it I'm not saying you know you have to do this because I, I don't see it exactly that most women can do that but I understand, I was told, when women dress up, it's not for the men as much as it is for the other women. They're all, like, dressed up. So it's kind of, you know, self-respect, to be accepted, you know, to look presentable. I don't know. I'm, I'm not one to talk about this because, um, for me, T-shirt and jeans is, like, fine. So, you know, you see all these nice cortes I have. It's all my wife. It's all her doing. If she didn't do that, every day you'd see me in a faded white corte, the same one, the same style. I just have five of them, and they'd all be the same. So, in Bengali, they say, dress to please others, eat to please yourself. So, she has to look at me, so I dress to please her. And if I put on the clothes I would normally wear, she looks at me and she says, can you take those off? I said, okay, I'll take them off because you have to look at them. And if we're shopping to buy something, she'll ask me, how do you like it? And I say, it doesn't matter. You're the one who's going to be looking at it. You just buy what you like because you're going to look at it. So dress to please others. That's the Bengali saying. And eat to please yourself. I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat food I don't like. I don't mind wearing clothes I don't like if it pleases you, but I'm not going to eat food that I don't like. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, and there, believe it or not, there are a few women that are like me. They don't really care how they dress. And those are more, you know, more renounced. But if you're Christe, a bona fide woman, you do care how you dress. And that's okay. And it's also, um, 
it's nice for attracting the public. Attractive women dress nicely. Priya, Priyam Buddha Murli Dharam says, asks, how can I be more chaste and sexually pure as a woman besides being appropriately dressed, avoiding agitation, and so forth? I feel stupid asking the question. I'm still just beginning to worry. Um, I shouldn't say um, I should say om. I should get in the habit of saying om, om, maybe radha. It's all what's going on in the mind because as we've often joked with, we have joked with much seriousness that when a man wants to take sannyas, there should be a group of women and he should just walk in the room and they should just look at him for like three seconds and make their decision whether he's ready for it or not. <laughs> it's a joke, but we're also serious because that's, I think they only need three seconds, maybe five, maybe only one second. He walks in. Hare Krishna Matajis. And then he walks out and they'll know. So there there is, you know, if the vibration is within you, it communicates. And if it's not within you, it communicates. So I think that's the most important. And then as far as dressing and behaving, that will all be manifested from how you think and how you feel. And so I think it's important to remember what I said that if well, where is that bird? Do you hear the bird? He's coming for class. Okay, you're gonna, I'm going to turn compression up. Now you're going to listen louder. He's approving of what I said. So if you... If you have the right consciousness, it'll communicate. I think the bird wants to say something. What is he saying? Can anybody understand? Where is that bird? He wants to come inside? Does anyone know what birds say? Maybe he's a devotee from his past life. Okay. Whatever he wanted to say, he said it. Okay. So, what's going on in, inside your own heart, it communicates. So if, if you start there, then everything's good. And just as you can pick up as a woman on a man who is disturbed, a man can pick up on a woman. Of course, the problem with men is sometimes when a man gets lusty, he thinks every woman is lusty also. That's another problem. There's a lot to say about arranged marriages. It avoids a lot of this problem. Okay, John, I worked in Times Square at a shelter for kids involved in porn and prostitution industry years ago. Driven by lust for sex, also power and money, since much of it was organized, young girls were trained on street by men to look lusty. Yeah. So if you could... Um, yeah, connect with the lust of a man, it would stop them. Yeah. So they were dressed that way, right? Provocative. Anyway, that the, you know, it's okay, your lust is aroused, and then you engage it, and then after that, 
you're satisfied for a few hours and then you want it again and you want it more intensely. So it's so important. This, this verse of Bhagavad Gita where Krishna describes the mode of passion has always been, for me, one of the most significant verses in the Gita. And although it's simple and although we understand it from our own experience, Still, it's a powerful verse that in the mode of passion, you're never satisfied. So whatever you do is only going to generate a desire to do it again, or in some cases to do it more intensely, to do it better and bigger. And when you get to satvagun, the symptom of satvagun is you're satisfied. So you don't need more. You need less. Less is more satisfying. In passion, more is more satisfying. But as Krishna says, that cycle never ends. And when you live in passion, you continually take birth because the desires never end. You'll never come to an end where I, I have enough, I give up, I renounce. So that's why Prabhupada stressed so much simplicity. Take what you need, but not more. Because unless you cut that cycle of passion, it's endless. You can't satisfy yourself and you'll always want more. More this, more that. More partners, more illicit sex then illicit, illicit sex. And then Krishna's doing it also. Krishna's doing illicit sex, so-called, by being with other men's wives. But he knows how to do it. And if, if you take pleasure in Krishna's illicit, illicit relationships, then you'll lose your desire for illicit relationships. And if you look at Krishna's illicit relationships and you want to imitate that, then you'll destroy yourself. So that's the whole idea of Krishna Lila. Krishna is saying, essentially saying, hey, look at me, I can do what you can't do, and it works for me. Not only that, if you relish what I'm doing, it will completely purify you of your desire to do that. And your desire to do that is tormenting you, it's destroying you, it's torturing you, and it's keeping you in the material world. If you relish me doing it, I can actually do it, <clears throat> and I don't suffer. If you do it, you'll suffer. And if you hear about me doing it, <coughs> you'll be in, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you'll be happy, ecstatic, and purified, and everything good comes from it. So that's, that's, the, that's the, I would say, the, the great contribution of the Bhagavatam over other religious movements. It has God doing all the, the perverted not that he's perverted all the perverted things we want to do he does but when he does them they're not perverted and when he does them we can enjoy vicariously so to speak not actually but we enjoy by hearing his leela and it purifies us of our desire to cheat on our wives to steal to lie, to do all the things that Krishna does just to satisfy his devotees. Isn't that interesting? Do you find it interesting? It is, isn't it? Okay. It's quite a discussion we're having here. We really get off in some trans... trans How come I can't think of the word? We get off on some tangential discussions tangent that's a better word basis of Muslim women wearing burqas yeah covering themselves it doesn't always work 
In America, there's a traveling exhibition that displays the clothes that women and girls were wearing when they got raped. The clothes were almost what would be considered modest in American. In American Western culture. It's an eye-opening exhibition. Well, yeah. So the what what's happening? It's like it's like Prabhupada said. You know, the government is they've got all these programs to cure alcoholics, but there's one problem. There's liquor stores. Hmm, let me figure that out. So we're trying to cure alcoholism, but there's liquor stores on every street corner. Hmm. Maybe maybe there's some correlation there. Well, let me think about that. So, you know, probably <laughs> state the obvious. <laughs> you want you want to stop something, but liquor is available everywhere. So, you know, this is a a rampant problem, an epidemic. Pornography and what it's how it's destroying young boys. And so, like you say, a woman does not have to be dressed provocatively because the boys are all groomed from puberty, pretty much groomed, although they wouldn't admit this or say this, they're pretty much ready to have sex with any woman anytime if the opportunity is there. And in some cases, when the opportunity is not there, they make the opportunity. And they force the woman into it. Are so unfortunate, and it's only getting worse. And this is a huge problem. And it's infecting our movement also, that young men who were raised this way want to be brahmacharis, and they're having a hell of a difficult time doing it, to put it modestly, because that's how they were raised. A very, very unfortunate age, Kali Yuga. But I would say, as far as possible, we should avoid... We should avoid any situation that is going to agitate us and avoid agitating anybody else. How can you train the mind if men to see everyone a woman as a mother if the men don't see you as mother? Act like a mother, they'll see you as a mother. I'm getting frustrated, my left hand. What do I do when I hit Seymour and it doesn't open? Do I scream at the phone? That wouldn't work. How can you train the mind if men to see everyone, women, as mother? Nowadays, men don't like to get married because they want to be free to enjoy with other women. It's a horrifying thought. Yeah, well, it's just the culture. So the men have to be trained, at least in our movement, we can do that. And then if you're not married and you're going to get married, make sure you marry a man who can be satisfied with one woman. Which is not easy for a man to be satisfied with one woman. I hate I hate to say it, but Prabhupada said it right in the Bhagavatam. A woman a man wants many women. A woman wants one man and she's happy with one man if he can fulfill all his all his all her desires. She's just one man can provide for her emotionally, physically, give her what she wants. She's happy. But a man, he's different. He only wants, from a woman, he basically wants food and sex and 
friendship. But if men had their own way, they'd rather do that with a lot of women. So he had, you know, there's a joke. A woman wants one man to fulfill her many desires, and a man wants many women to many women to fulfill his one desire. So it's a joke, but unfortunately it's true. Now, if a man's Krishna conscious, then if a man's moral, religious, he's going to transcend that nature. But that's a problem. And so this society, the way we're, the way we're raising, the way we're raising, I try to tell that joke seriously because it's, it's borderline whether you should say it in public. But it's, I prefaced it with philosophy, so um, it's, it's unfortunately true. Prabhupada said that in the Bhagavatam, therefore that joke is it's bona fide. As he said, a man, a man wants many women. That's his nature. That's why there was polygamy, one of the reasons. Did you know that? A polygamy, oh, right. Prabhupada said there, there's generally more females than males, so all the women want to be married, all the men don't want to be, some want to be brahmachari. So, so then... So then, I was thinking of what I'm going to do today. So then, let the man marry more than one woman, plus the man wants to enjoy sex more than once in a while, so more women, more sex. Hard, cold truths of life. Duty of a wife is look beautiful to please the husband. If a woman doesn't want to look pretty, there's high possibility that there are some emotional problems there. A woman can look beautiful... Um, excuse me. Can look beautiful to please Krishna also. We're created to be beautiful. My Gurmash, uh, Indra Swami is expecting me to look beautiful as possible as master of the ceremonies and the festivals. So it doesn't look beautiful might be used in Krishna. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Beautiful women go out in book distribution. The men are attracted, they sell them the books, and we go up to the same men, they won't even talk to us. I have personal experience being in the same airport, and I go up to a guy, he wouldn't stop, and then behind me there's a woman, and he stops, and she sells him a book. And I'd be looking at that thinking, why did I have to take birth as a man? What a curse. Now I can't distribute as many books as the women. Why couldn't I take birth as a woman? It would be so much easier to distribute books. I saw it again and again with my own eyes, how much easier it was for them than it was for me. You know, what, you know, I'm just bothering this guy. He doesn't want to talk to me. But the woman stops. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Hey, guys, can you give a nudge? Of course, how much you want? Oh, you're so handsome, beautiful, a rich guy like you. Can you give $50? Sure, why not? <laughs> I'd sit there and watch that and go, ah. It's not fair. And, and Prabhupada used to say, our secret weapon are women. So, you know, if the women go out looking disheveled and unattractive, then they won't be able to stop the man. So, obviously, we have to look attractive. Do you think that arranged marriages helps, or is it just an outdated concept? Well, I was told, I, don't, I can't verify this, I was told that uh, there's a lower divorce divorce rate amongst 
arranged marriages. And one of the reasons may be low expectations. You have high expectations if you choose your partner. If you don't, it's kind of like, well, let's see if it works. <laughs> it can work if both parties are into it. And they say, I, I don't know who to cho choose. I'd rather my parents choose. So it can work. It, it's meant... It's meant to keep society pure because then the boys and girls don't have to mix and meet one another and, you know, see if they like one another and then end up falling down and regretting it and this and that. And then you have families that are compatible and charts and then they get to, you know, kind of the same culture and, you know, so it can be very good. But, you, you know, you have to be, I would say, you have to be of the mentality that that's what you want. Because if you don't want it, it's probably not going to work well. How do I clean the house if I go around well-dressed up? No, when your husband's at work, you can put on your T-shirt and your big ugly slippers. But when he comes back, take him off and dress up. <laughs> the husband never leaves. And yes, so you have to stay dressed up, Jotirmaya, 24-7. I never ask my wife to dress up. She's always... She's like fashion queen. She's always dressed. I always tell her she should start a fashion store. She designs her own clothes in India. Does a woman's friendliness send a message to the man that she's interested, or could it be that he interprets it as interest? Both. Could be either one. Definitely, he can interpret it as interest, even if she's not, if she's too friendly. So, you know, it's not that you can't be friendly. Okay, I'm talking to a woman, and I'm like this. She's talking, I'm looking down. And I'm, you know, now I'm six feet away. You know, I carry a pole. When I go to the temple, I have a pole that's six feet long, so nobody can get near me. So all the brahmacharis are thinking, this is good, six feet away from the closest woman. Wow. Life's never been better. But... You know, we can be friendly, but just keep it formal. So there's no, there's no vibration. The vibration is pure. Otherwise, the men will, could get the wrong message, for sure. Not all, but some. I struggle with these type of conversations as it puts... The onus heavily on the women. Having said that, I personally have for years practiced being very clear with men energetically that I am not existing for their enjoyment. It works. Okay, there it is. Should we make a t-shirt for the women? I do not exist. Dear, dear men, I do not exist for your enjoyment. Note, Notice to all men, I do not exist for your enjoyment. Should we make a t-shirt? Krishna content, why don't you write that one down? See, we can put these t-shirts up because they don't print them until you order them. So we can make t-shirts that nobody buys. I don't know if women would want to wear that, but maybe some, I don't know. But that's the message. It is said that women don't dress for men, they dress nicely to make other women jealous. <laughs> Where'd you get that nice dress and those earrings? I'm so jealous. Uh, I remember you said about dressing up at home. makes perfect sense to me. What I cannot grasp is the obligation to look pretty for others, maybe due to my Western liberal mindset. All right, when you go out, 
just don't look like a a homeless person, okay? Because you're a devotee, so people will look at you and think, I'll become like you. I'd rather spend the money on books and make donations. Yeah, that's okay. You just may never get married, Chris Day, if you do do it like that, but... <laughs> Hare Krishna. Everyone's different. I'm sure some women like to dress up more than others. Chris Day, uh, Krishna Karnish, I guess she's speaking to you, Chris. It seems you're not married. Buying nice clothes is not wasting money. A wife should look attractive for a husband. And it's a service for the husband. If you look attractive, your husband will not look at all the other beautiful women. This is being married 23 years. That's her realization. Your point of view is appreciated. Krishna Krishna, yeah. So tomorrow we're going to see Chris Day with a whole new set of clothes, the whole makeover. Wow. Seems burkas and total body covering is not working. Muslims often rape women uh, more than ordinary men. So it seems if a woman is covered completely, it makes men freaking out. Yeah, this is... Um, they should wear nicely, but this is the problem with Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga is so convoluted that the things that are supposed to work don't always work. Sometimes they backfire. It's a very fallen age. There are plenty of rapists who are not Muslim. Yeah, of course. When my husband is at work, I am at work as well. How about Iskand only for women and one for men? Yeah, they tried that. Prabhupada rejected it. In Europe, mostly Muslims rape women, according to statistics. Hmm. Hare Krishna. Okay. Hmm. There's another statistic somewhere. Statistics are... The problem with statistics is who makes them. Because sometimes if, if they want to denigrate a certain class, they can skew the statistics. So maybe maybe you can read a little more about it and see what you find because there definitely are people who hate Islam so they could be skewing the statistics that way or is, or, or, or does it mean within their community Muslim to Muslim there's more rapes or out of their community or I think Krishna Karshan is trying to say that they're restricted in their religion and that restriction is, is they're not able to maintain the restriction is having a bad effect um, a devotee told me, it's actually my neighbor, he said that he was in Saudi Arabia and when he left, in Saudi Arabia you, you, there's no drinking, no pornography, no this or that, no smoking. And he said, this was years ago when you could smoke on the airplane, he said, as soon as the plane took off and you, now you're not in Saudi Arabia, they started smoking, drinking, this and that. So it's true. Restricting in itself is not the solution unless you have a process to purify yourself. So if you're restricting and purifying, it works. If you're restricting and not purifying, it could backfire. That's the problem. Mm 
But anyway, study um, the statistics a little more, and then you can report. Not tomorrow, but on Friday. So today on Instagram, we're having a class. I don't know if you can get into it. I'll, I didn't get the information on it. I'll give the information to Radha Priya, and she'll send it out. And then we're doing Japa today at noon. Then at 3, we're doing a class somewhere. I forgot. And then 7, we're doing another class. Doing a class on Japa at 7. We're chanting together at noon. We're doing a class on the Holy Name. No. At 3 o'clock, we're doing a class on Instagram. For you in Europe, it's kind of late. No, not so late. It's 8 p.m. in London. For London Kirtan, we're doing a class on the Holy Name. Then at 7 o'clock, we're doing a little Japa session. So if you're in Siberia, you'll get it in the morning. 7 p.m. if you're in India, not going to work for you. Okay, and we'll put that up. Yeah, so the in Kali Yuga, you're like you're restricting people, but you're not giving them a process to purify themselves. In Kali Yuga, people are, are overrun by mostly ignorance. So you're putting a person in the mode of ignorance, restricting them, then it just makes it worse unless you give them a process to purify themselves. Some canola oil companies in America funded bad publicity against coconut oil because coconut oil is becoming more and more popular. So the canola oil companies very deviously put out articles saying coconut oil is unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Meat is good. You need meat. Meat's healthy. Yeah. So the conclusion of today's class is Everyone should go back to Godhead in this life and you won't have to deal with all this stuff. And if you don't go back to Godhead, you're going to have to deal with all this stuff. So you decide what you want to do. And I'm going to end class now. And I will post what we're doing later. Or Radha Priya will post it so you can find out. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Go to Brahmanande. Hare.